Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Sodry. And I'm Shelley Arnold. And we know how overwhelming sinful behaviors can feel, especially if we're just beginning to follow Christ. We might fear that we'll never overcome our self-destructive and relationship-damaging actions, that we can't change, and that ultimately, at our core, we're unlovable, and therefore that our life will never really change, that we're simply defective, helpless, and hopeless. The problem is that type of thinking keeps us in hiding. It keeps us stuck. And many times it keeps us all twisted inside. Now, before we dive into today's topic, which is finding courage in El Rafa, the God who heals, I feel compelled to say Shelly and I really struggled with this episode. We wrestled with how our discussion of God as healer might impact those who have been diligently praying for physical healing and haven't received it. Now, that is a large and complex topic that we don't have time to address today, but I have addressed it fully in my Thriving with Chronic Illness podcast in episode seven titled When God Doesn't Heal. So I encourage you to take a listen. And I'd also encourage you to listen to today's discussion, not through the lens of what God does or doesn't, did or didn't do, but instead with the intent to catch a view of who he is, his heart and his nature. When we're solid in that in truly knowing who God is, many of our most difficult questions are answered. All that said, while God does have the power to miraculously heal us physically, today we're focusing on God's healing power over the disease of sin. Although I would add his healing of our sin is a promise of complete healing, if not here on earth, then once we reach heaven. You know, Jennifer, that's interesting. Interesting, um, an interesting phrase you used, the disease of sin. I think it's very easy for us to not recognize or even make excuses for sinful behavior because we don't realize the extensive nature of our sin or the far-reaching effects a given sin can have on our relationship with God and others. I am remembering a time a specific topic of conflict was prevalent in my marriage. I mean, every single time this particular subject came up, I knew exactly how the conversation with my husband would go. I knew the tension and the dissension, the uh, hurt and the frustration that would manifest in our relationship for the next hour and possibly days. Our dysfunctional behavior was that entrenched in our marriage when it came to this particular topic. That must have been really painful. Oh, yes, it was. It caused a lot of pain for over 15 years. But God had been dealing with me about how I handled my part of conflict in our marriage. And he had been convicting me of what I contributed to the conflict. And frankly, I was sick and tired of fighting the same battles with my husband and within myself. So, of course, the subject came up, right? I mean, of course it did. And I knew our conversation was about to turn down the same old road and have the same old results that I desperately wanted to avoid. And in that moment, 
the Holy Spirit once again convicted me of knowingly repeating the same bad behavior. And out of that desperation, I said to my husband, you're not going to make me sin. And I slapped my hand over my mouth. That's hilarious. So how did he respond? Well, he looked at me like I'd grown a third head. But I knew God was requiring me to be obedient to his leading and that I could not be obedient without stopping my sinful pattern. So I got my purse and I told my husband, I've got to go pray. And I did. I left home. I drove to the grocery store and I parked in the parking lot. I sat there for two hours praying and pouring my heart out to God. And when I was done, when I was finally quiet, God brought to my mind Matthew 12, 34, where Jesus says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And God said to me, Shelly, nastiness is coming out of your mouth because that's what's in your heart. Wow. Now, your story reveals such a powerful truth. If we've given our lives to Christ, if we've accepted his free gift of salvation, Scripture says we receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, he convicts us when we're not living in a way that God desires that's really the best for our relationships. And he gives us the strength and the desire to live as God wants. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit for that very reason. I know my husband and I would never have overcome that area of conflict without God's intervention and healing in our spirits and therefore in our marriage. And you know, I have to admit, every positive change in my life and in my marriage comes from God's work in me. Thank God he breaks the power of sin by healing us from that sin. He teaches us what to do differently, how to think differently, and in doing so, he delivers us from the painful effects of our sin. Scripture says he is El Rapha, the one who heals, and I, while we, we often think of healing in regard to the physical, physical, that wasn't the context in which God first revealed himself by this name. So I love the story where we first hear of God as El Rapha, and I love all the history surrounding it. So a little bit of background, God had freed the Israelites from 400 years of slavery to Egypt, and he was leading them towards the promised land, which symbolized heaven, where sin, disease, and pain will no longer exist. And as we've mentioned in past episodes, God was also rewriting their worldview from the pagan and unpredictable culture that they'd come from in Egypt, where they worship false gods who were both vindictive and reactive, but also largely uninterested and uninvolved to a whole new and more accurate theology. And with every step of their wilderness journey, God was teaching them who he was at his core, their sustainer, ruler, and healer. And he was teaching them to trust in him. They were dependent on him for everything, for their very survival. They didn't have a 401k. They didn't have stock pantries, food banks that they could run to when their provisions ran out. They didn't have water faucets. They didn't even have running streams most of the time that they could turn to when they were thirsty, they were in a pretty vulnerable place on a good day. And then when we get to Exodus 15, to put it simply, the Israelites were not having a good day. They had been traveling for three days in the desert and they couldn't find water. 
you know, Jennifer, if I were in their position, I'd be ready to panic, especially as a mother. I would fear for myself and for my family. Scripture tells us that this huge need for water for them happened less than a week after leaving Egypt. So they probably had a lot of false ideas about their God, who he was and what he wanted, how he'd interact with them, and how he wanted them to interact with him. They were just beginning to learn who God is. Right. And then in the middle of all that, they reached this place with water. Hallelujah, right? Only the water was bitter. It was undrinkable. So the people began to complain. And Moses, he cried out to God. And at God's direction, he threw a stick into the water and the water became clean. It became drinkable. That's right. The story continues in Exodus 15 with verses 25 and 26, where we read this. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Or in Hebrew, I am Jehovah Rapha. And while in this instance, God was referring to protecting them from physical diseases like the boils the Egyptians had experienced during the 10 plagues, that really wasn't God's main message or goal. He is much more concerned with our spiritual health, with our spiritual healing. And in fact, scripture often refers to sin as a disease, as a sickness, which if you think about it, it is. It it infects and it rots our souls and it can infect and rot our relationships as well. Our sin infects others often, sometimes contagiously, and other times it creates ripples of hurt that are felt for a lifetime, if not for generations. You know, I think when we first come to God, we can be much like the Israelites. They wanted to be delivered from living as slaves in Egypt. When the Holy Spirit draws us to God, we recognize our need for him and want his forgiveness. But there's more to our spiritual journey with God than that. He wants a permanent relationship with us so he can continue freeing us from sin and its effects. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was about so much more than our access to immediate salvation, but also finding freedom from the long-term effects of our spiritual sickness, sin. And we see this beautifully described in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And You know, Shelley, that passage is often misused to imply that Christ's death on the cross necessarily means that we'll experience enduring health this side of heaven, that we'll never be sick or that we'll always be healed when we do become sick. But while God can and sometimes does heal us physically, like I said earlier, Jesus is primarily concerned with our sin. He was beaten and bruised for our most pervasive sickness of all, which is sin. God breaks the power of sin in our lives. El Rafa, 
heals our sin disease. And now we have to learn to live in that new reality. And that takes time. Shelly, I know you've experienced both types of healing, physical and emotional and spiritual, correct? Yes, I have. Years ago, God healed my brain from terrible side effects of an allergic reaction that left me with intermittent paralysis on my right side. So I try to be careful to remember to thank God that I can walk and talk, that I can feed myself and drive abilities I thought I might not ever have again. But I would say emotional healing, for me, that's an even bigger work. God continues to heal my emotions and my mind from the aftermath of childhood trauma, the results of hurts and betrayal and rejections I've experienced as an adult as well. Yeah, because he's always moving us towards increased freedom and wholeness. And like we mentioned previously, one day he will heal all of his followers completely in every sense of the word, if not here on earth, then when we reach heaven. In the meantime, he wants to heal the most important and enduring parts of us, which is our soul. But that's a journey. That's a journey that will most likely last our entire earthly lives. Exactly. It takes our entire lives. You know, Jennifer, I used to think God must be irritated with me or annoyed with me for all the work he needed to do in me to make me more like Jesus, as if I were his problem child. But then I found Philippians 1.6. In the NIV, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This verse gave me a lot of peace because it assures me that God's plan is to work in me long-term. You know, I also like that verse that it demonstrates that God is the one that does the bulk of the work. And there's great comfort, I think, in that as well. And that tells us that nobody, even our listeners, whoever is listening, nobody is too broken or too defective. El Rafa can heal us all from the pervasive disease of sin and and from the effects of sin as well that we have inflicted from others. And he can cause his pure, sweet, and clean living water to flow first in us and then through us like a bubbling, life-giving brook. Well, like we have with our other episodes, we want to close with prayer, demonstrating how you can pray the names of God. So take a moment. Why don't you pray with us now? Holy Father, El Rafa, thank you that you are the God who heals us. Thank you for seeing into the deepest parts of our soul, for seeing everything that's diseased, everything that isn't healthy, everything that isn't life-giving and for bringing your healing work to those areas. Help us to trust in you. Help us to surrender to the work that you're doing within us. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We hope today's episode encouraged you just to lean into God deeper and to surrender to him in your journey. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it with your friends. We're greatly encouraged when you rate it and that helps others to find it as well. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.